Good morning, friends. Will you join us this morning and stand? I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures.
Good morning. I'm going to shuffle in here. Okay, my name is McLean Murphy. I'm so glad that y'all are here with us. Last Thursday, many of the women in the room, we were together for the Real Women's Dinner event. And if you haven't heard about it or you weren't there, we got to sit and have fun and laugh and be encouraged. And we had a speaker, Allie Worthington, and Allie's main message to us was to encourage us to break busy. I think we can all, not just the women who were there on Thursday night, we could all agree that we need a little help breaking busy. As I've reflected on this, what the Lord kept bringing to my mind was the idea of rhythm. God is a God of rhythm. Think of the way he created the earth in the beginning. Think of the way that the year works. We've got a rhythm of seasons. We've got a rhythm of months. Even each day has the rhythm of the sunrise and the sunset. But I think unique for us as a church is the rhythm of the week. That on Sunday mornings, God invites us into this place to launch into the next seven days. A lot of people think about the weekend as the end of the week and maybe Sunday is the last day of the week. But actually, Sunday is the first day of the week. That right now, we're spending the first hour of the week together and I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think that God created that rhythm so that for an hour together, we can worship him, which our hearts are inclined to do. We can get filled up, and then we get to live the rest of the week pouring out what he fills us up with. And then we get to Saturday night, and we say, whew, it's okay, because I got tomorrow morning. I've got church where I get to go and get filled up again. So welcome into the rhythm. Embrace the rhythm. Let God use it to break the busy in your life. If you are new, we're so glad you're here. We would love to know that you are here, and you can fill out a Connect card. You can scan the QR code. You can fill it out online. We just want to love and serve you, so if you would do that, we would appreciate it. And I would love to pray for us this morning. God, thank you for inviting us into this rhythm this morning, the rhythm that you created for us that you have the best for us. And so I pray that we would step into it. I pray that we would accept what you have for us this morning. And God, we have people who are on our hearts and our minds, and we want to lift them up to you. We think of Jamie Atkinson, and we just pray for comfort and success as he begins a new treatment plan. Lord, we pray for Lauren Frey's mother. She's at home with hospice after a long battle with cancer, and we just thank you for this ministry of hospice and for their tender care for their family. Lord, we pray for little Theo Spengies. He has swelling behind his ears, and God, they need um, answers. They need a treatment plan. And so, Father, I just pray that you would lead them down the right road to find those things. For the Barber family, Lord, who celebrated Ralph's life this past Friday, we just pray for continued healing in their hearts as they continue to grieve and miss him. And then, Lord, for all the women who attended the real event, um, God, you brought some women there who maybe they hadn't even pondered what you had for them for, for quite some time. But, Lord, you got them in the way of your truth and your grace, and I pray for the transformation that will begin to take place. Um, and then for every person who was there, Lord, that um, this whole idea of breaking busy, Lord, that you would work on our hearts and draw us deeper into what you have for us. God, we give you this service. We give you this morning. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite y'all, pop up, 
say hi to someone, greet someone, either that you know or you don't know, and just welcome each other. Ho, ho, ho. I am going to. Hey, Brewski. Brewski, you got me? All right, my friends, I'm going to ask you to have a seat. You're having a great time. The energy level just went sky high as everybody got a chance to unhurry. No, what is that? What? No, no break busy by visiting with each other and we're making a little room here for folks who've come in just now and you can see a few empty chairs. Just one quick happening in the life of First Presbyterian Church that I want to make you aware of. We're, uh, this is about representative democracy. We're in the process this fall of electing leaders to be a part of the session. The session is 12 folks who you elect and they are responsible for everything about the church. And so we're having a meeting here Two weeks from today, it'll take about 10 minutes, and so we'll finish worship, and we'll have a meeting, and what you're going to hear, you may not remember this, but you elected some time ago an elder nominating committee. That was five persons who were elected. I am ex officio member of it. And those five persons and I met and we prayed and we talked and we called people on the phone. And so we have four people who we are going to nominate. They are going to nominate to be the elder class of 2024. So that, that's what's portrayed here on the slide. So we're taking action on their nominations. And that will be two weeks from today. And again, the congregation is responsible for electing its leaders. And not unlike the way city government works, we elect the city commission, city councilors, I mean, whatever we call them, and, and we elect a mayor, and then those folks do most of the deciding. And that's sort of the way, in fact, governments around the United States got all these ideas from the Presbyterians. <laughs> so we were doing this as Presbyterians before there was a country. So anyway, all of those things are kind of nice, but that's what's happening. Represent democracy two weeks from today, a meeting immediately following worship. We'll finish worship and, and then do the report, and we'll have a vote. And so I wanted to make you aware of that. I believe that I'm now getting out of the way, and we're going to sing some more great music. Let's do it. But no, that's I'm okay. sorry. I'm getting out of the way because Kathy is going to come, but not sing more great music. That's all right. 
Have y'all ever noticed the way the word generous ends with the letters U-S? Us. There it is. How perfect is that? In the Bible, every time something amazing happened in someone's life, it was always connected with the people of God, followers of Jesus, coming together to be generous. And they were generous with prayer. They were generous with their resources. They were generous in serving. And they were generous with their love. Well, so are you. I've been witnessing generosity break out in this church like I've never seen it before. When a family heard that I wanted to celebrate the Matthew 25 ministry team for the way that they faithfully love and care for those who are hungry and homeless, they came and found me and said, we want to anonymously pay for this event so that you can do a memorable beautiful event that these folks will remember forever. Sunday mornings, people have been lining up to help make this happen at Wright's Gourmet on Sunday mornings. A crew comes in and sets up all these chairs after breaking down tables, putting them away, and then when you leave, they're going to pull them all back out and set it all back into the dining room that it was before. So many people involved. Your generosity is just contagious, and it looks like the generosity of Jesus. Well, here are five ways that you can continue to ignite our city with the life-changing love of Jesus through your generosity. God bless you for it. It's exciting to watch. Please stand with us. In Hebrews 6, we read, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. God of Abraham, the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven that to do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast.
of your son and we thank you Lord and Lord we surrender ourselves to your word that we have before us Lord our hearts are opened for your word it gives life and Lord we know that following through in obedience will bring blessing to us and to others so we open our hearts our ears our eyes to what you have we thank you Lord your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I am jazzed to be here with you this morning. I'm here to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you why. You're going to see a, a, a slide come up. It's going to say forward in faith and it's going to say generous. Kathy already used this slide a few minutes ago. Today is the day that we go public Ooh, how about that? Public. We're going public with a campaign to make 3302 Horatio Avenue happen. 
Things have been going on for months, but today is the day we're talking about it as a great big family. The name of the campaign is Forward in Faith, and that's what we are doing. We are moving forward in faith. In fact, right now, just think about it. Look at where we are. Is this the coolest thing? We're in a sandwich shop. <laughs> and li- yes, we are we're in a sandwich shop. And that, so we're nimble, and we need to be nimble, and we're headed somewhere where we won't have to have this kind of nimble every time we meet. Listen carefully, if you would, just everybody dead silent melodious voices of children. Now, when we're in our permanent home, the children's sounds will be not, we won't hear them when we're having adult worship. But I want to invite you in this interim phase to just love that because that's how we're going forward in faith. And we're going to have the sound of children in our ears for a while yet because when we're in our interim, interim on Horatio, which looks like it's going to be about a month or so from now, maybe the first or second weekend in November when we get over there, you're going to still be able to hear the kids because we're going to be jammed into one smaller spot, a little bit bigger than this, maybe, maybe about the same size, maybe smaller. But all of this is about us going forward and trusting God. And that's what we've been doing, and that's what we're going to keep doing. You, truth and lending, I pray at 7.07 a.m., 7.07 p.m. Many of you got, most of us got an email from Kathy reminding us to fast. I forgot. (laughs) I ate. (laughs) And I was scared to tell Kathy. (laughs) But I had a a conversation myself, and I just just manned up. (laughs) And I told her... Hey, you feel my pain, don't you? So, so I said, I'll fast this Wednesday. So if you blew it Wednesday, let me see who blew it Wednesday, who intended to fast and didn't. All right, this Wednesday, we'll have a little fellowship. We'll be fasting. Breakfast skip, lunch skip, I'll be, I'll be hammering it at dinner. I just want you to know that. So here we go forward in faith. Look at the way we've done the word generous. So it's about us. A lot of times we've talked about how we manage our own personal generosity, and, and every week we help you remember how to do that. But this is something we're doing together. We are the sons and daughters of the king of the universe, and therefore we're brothers and sisters. And all the good stuff that God is trying to do in the world is happening through God's family. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. I think that the Church of Jesus Christ in its gazillion local expressions, including First Presbyterian Church, I think the Church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Meditate on that. It's not because of us. It's because of God. But God has decided to have Christians gather. And the Greek word ekklesia, and we use the English word church, And what it means is the people of God who are doing God's mission together. And that's sort of the question that we want to ask this morning with respect to this campaign. And we're asking the first question is, where are we going? And I want to think out loud with you about that a little bit this morning. And where are we going? But just one, one more thing about the church. I'd say it slightly differently. I'd say give the human part of being a family of God, of being an ecclesia, a church, I think it is the most important effort ever done by human beings. So many good things human beings do, this is the most important one. Because this is how God is God is using us to help people who don't know they're loved, who don't know they're forgiven. 
God wants us to be on a mission to love people in our city really well. And some of the people that we want to love really well, they don't know they're loved by God. They may be what I like to call functional, uh, open agnostics. An open agnostic is a person whose daily life really isn't impacted very much by their theological belief system, by their relationship with God, but they're open. They don't know that they're loved, and they don't know they're forgiven. And oh, man, there's a bunch of them out there. And then we have people like you and I who are in the room, and we have a relationship with God, I think you do, and so you're trying to grow it and deepen it. And so somehow it's the dynamic of going out and loving people that God uses to, to make us deep. So that's what's going on with where are we going from here. The, the first thing is we're going into our neighborhood, and we're going to love people really well, and we're going to have 120 parking places. <laughs> So when we do stuff seven days a week, not Sunday morning only, we're going to have to get used to being able to do stuff seven days a week. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to scratch where people are itching. We're going to figure out cool things that people need in their lives, and our building will help us do it. And we'll be able to do whatever we want to do there. Because we're going to be driven by the mission, the greatest endeavor ever attempted is the church, by human beings. And what we're going to do is we're going to share God's love. And some of the people know they're loved, but have all kinds of stuff they need help with. And other people don't know they're loved, and they have all kinds of stuff. And we're just going to figure it out together. Lots of ideas are bubbling up about how we think we could do cool things with our buildings, and we're going to do cool things with our building. But we're going to today keep asking that question, what is it? What is it? that we're, where, we, where are we going? We're going on mission, God's preferred future for us. And it's important that we think through it in terms of a biblical understanding of our stewardship. And when we, steward, we, when we say stewardship, of, of course we mean how we deal with the financial resources we have, but we also mean our leadership. We also mean our gifts and our talents. And Kathy already reflected this morning on how you and I together are making things happen in a new way. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun being here early and setting up. And, man, we're getting good to breaking it down. It was 11.37 last week. It was 11.50 the first week. We're knocking that thing out, aren't we, Gant? So Gant's the boss. He's the one that knows where everything goes. So anyway, where are we going? That's the question for today that we're going to keep thinking about. We're going on a spiritual journey. Yes, there's a building. Yes, there are dollars. But it's a fundamentally spiritual journey to be God's people in the world as the church, the most important endeavor ever attempted. That's what we're going to do. But we're also going to make sure that we understand that as we go on this journey that we're going to be trusting in the spiritual journey, we're going to be trusting God, and we're going to learn biblical stewardship, and we're going to learn to connect. So if in some way we're not connecting more closely with Jesus as we make our way, not we connect personally and experience God, and we also experience the, the call to be on the mission that God has given us, those are the things that we want to make sure we do and we do well. Next week, what's it going to take to fulfill our plan? The following week, how am I going to participate? And we'll do that again a second time, sort of how, what am I going to do concretely, specifically myself? But back to what it means to be, where are we going? Connecting our hearts with Jesus and on Jesus' mission and doing so in a way that we would call biblical stewardship or biblical generosity. And today, after months of working, lots of things been going on, today is public, so four weeks public, 
today, the 10th, 17th, 24th, the 31st. On the 31st, that will be the end of the, the public part of the campaign. And then at, you're going to be, all of us are going to be invited to make commitments. And on the 14th of November, we're going to tell everybody what the number all end up being. It's going to be awesome. It's already awesome. From 35,000 feet, we're talking about four or five really important kind of themes that are a part of what it means to be on a spiritual journey, a journey of generosity, a journey of listening to God, connecting to God, and going on God's mission. We're going to talk about surrendering. We're going to talk about sacrifice. We're going to talk about our own faith, and we're going to talk about commitment. And those are the things that we're about. The unknowns that we've been through for the last three years, this is something I've said repeatedly, and I'm going to say it again. What happened three years ago, knock, 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 would you people be interested in selling us your building? So we went to the other property owner and said, or would you be interested? And he said, yes. And then we said, we prayed. It prayed and prayed and trusted. And here's what my experience has been. A great deal of the future was absolutely unknown. Just didn't know anything. And so we felt like we were being sort of like Abraham. If you don't know the story, Abraham was called by God to leave everything he knew and go somewhere, but he didn't know where he was going to end up. But he did it anyway. And here's what I want you to know about me personally. I like me a whole lot better when I'm trusting God and most of what's really vital out there, I don't know anything. I don't know what's going to happen next. And such massive provision has been taking place. God has given it. It's impossible for me to think that I'd made it happen. I can't. You can't. Some of us, some of you have worked so hard and continue to do so. But all of us know that I didn't make this happen. We didn't make it. It's just been unbelievable what's been happening. The provision of God, the massive provision. So I like that. I like me better. I don't want the unknowns to, to end. In fact, here's the way I'm starting to think about it. Who are the people that God is going to put in our life? I don't know who they are yet, but I can't wait to meet them. Because you know what? God is rescuing marriages. God is finding people who don't even know as exist and starting a relationship with them. Lives are changing. There are marriages in this room right now that because of interactions with people in the room and other people in this church, they're just marriages that are making it that might otherwise not. That's just one of a million ways that God is at work in our community. It's just, and I, when I say community, our church, but the churches of Jesus, which I need to say one more thing about them. Where are we going? Here's what we're not doing. This is really vital. We are not competing with other churches. Oh, no. I'm cheering for other churches. I'm going out of my way to build relationships and friendships with other leaders and other churches. We need all of the churches to be healthy in order to accomplish God's mission. Here's what we're competing with, my friends. We're competing with disengagement. You and I, as a family of faith, as this great endeavor called the Church of Jesus, we're competing with non-engagement and we're competing with non-belief. I used the term open agnostics a minute ago. That's what we're competing with. There are thousands of people. You pick the zip code, and you tell me what percentage in the zip code that you want to pick, what percentage of those people have an active, vital relationship with Jesus Christ and who are eagerly involved in the life of some kind of church. Slim. 
And I love those people. So do you. They're cheering or grieving right now over the same football teams that you're cheering or grieving over. <laughs> right? They went to the same schools. They drive the same kind of cars. Their kids are in the same schools. Their parents. Their children. Whatever. And you want to love people well. And I want to love people well. So that I like to say it this way. It's a growth industry. <laughs> So we're not com we're competing for people's hearts to connect with Jesus Christ. That's and I don't care about taking credit for anything. It's not about me. It's not about our church. It's about God, and we want people to know and trust Jesus Christ, and that's what we're all about. So we're talking about this being a biblical model of what we do about generosity. Generous. It's a family thing, and so we're going to take a peek at this great guy named King David got three or four facts about King Jabin for you right here. He was the second king of Israel. So I'll just remind you of who Israel is. Israel is the same Israel that you know about today, but it, this is the people that I, the guy I mentioned, Abraham. God promised Abraham, I'm going to make a huge family out of you. Go that way. Abraham said, well, where am I going? God says, I'll tell you when it's plenty good enough for you to know. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make your family so big that you won't even be able to count them. And through your family, here's God's heart, God's mission, I'm going to bless every human being on the planet. So we're on the Abraham mission, but Abraham started this family. Well, they didn't have kings. They sort of just loosely did their business, but finally we get a king. First king Saul, second king David, and he was the second king of Israel, and he was the, like the high water mark of all of Israel. Every, a chariot in every driveway, and they had all, everything, everything, the enemies around them were not kicking their tails every weekend and whatever. They, everything went well militarily, spiritually. They were more spiritually coherent than maybe at any other time. And so there's David the king. David loved God. David was also a rascal, but he got forgiven, and man, did he need it. And David is the king of Israel, and it's about 1,000 B.C., okay? Long time ago. And here's what David decided, and this is the end of the backstory. David decided that all through the history of Israel, they carried around this big ark, right? And the ark just means a big box, and in it were the Ten Commandments. And everybody loves it when we do the line, you know, Mel Brooks, History of the World, Part Two. We have these 15, drops one, <laughs> I mean 10. <laughs> so Raiders of the Lost Ark, all of that, but just let your mind go to a, a literally the, the, the Ten Commandments etched in stone, and they lived in a box. They call it the ark, and that thing needed a place to be home. And so they kept toying with the idea of building a building. Some of you have been to Jerusalem. You've seen it. The Jewish people don't have control over their temple anymore, anymore in Jerusalem. It's on the top of a hill called Zion. In the Bible, it's called Zion. And there it is. So David said, let's build a temple. And we're going to follow his model. Now, it's important for you. One other thing, and then we're, and you'll see it in just a second. David said, I want to build you a temple, Lord. And the Lord said, yep, I'm going to let you build it, but you ain't going to get to do it. Because David's son, you're a little bit too much of a warrior, and there's too much blood on your hands. You're, you're the next king, Solomon's going to build it. So that's where we are. We're going to read. This is in the book of 1 Chronicles, just snippets from chapter 28 and 29. And they're going to come up on the wall. We'll start this. And this is how we have been doing things. And we are in the middle of this story right now today, you and I are, as we talk publicly with all the people about what's going on. David summoned all the officials of Israel, the leaders. 
he summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble. And then we get a list of what they're the officers of the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the kings and his sons, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. So David gets his leaders together. That's what First Presbyterian Church has been doing for the last three or four months. In fact, Kathy and I have met, not with all the leaders, but with many of them. When we say leaders, we mean people who have positions, people who are on the staff, people who are leading teams, people who are in charge of stuff and leading stuff. And it ended up being about 130 of you. And we, Kathy and I have had this unbelievable experience sitting one-on-one and talking about all this with all the leaders. We didn't get through everybody yet. We keep working on it. And so we keep meeting with folks one-on-one and one-on-two and one-on-three. David first gets the leaders together and talks about what he wants to do. So the next slide, David rises to his feet. Listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. Again, speaking to the leaders, I had it in my heart. What a great line. I want you to have it in your heart. Here what they're doing is building a place for the ark And it represents for them where heaven and earth are together, this temple. A temple is the place where everything is put back right again. It represents the presence of God. Now, they know and they knew and we know that God is not limited to and dwelling only inside a building. But man, does the building help. Huh? Isn't it great to have a building? Because look what God can do with a building. And they wanted a building. And in it goes this treasure It's the most treasured thing ever in their life because it represents God's way of living and God's presence. The same thing that what are we we going, where, where are we headed? The same thing, to experience God's presence and to live out the way God wants us to live. So David says, I had in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. That's the Ten Commandments in the box they're in. For the footstool of our God, and I made it, I made plans to build it. So David went to work, hard work. Trust me, there's hard work going on in this family of faith. Lots of plans, lots of design, lots of meetings to get things right, listening carefully to each other, allowing the data points to be how God leads us. And it goes on and on and on. So that's what's happening. And God says, however, no, David, man, I'm going to let you get it ready, but you don't get to build it. And this business is a little weird to me because David was out doing his job, which was commanding armies and protecting the people. But I don't fully understand God, nor do you. So on we go. I'm just going to skip that part because I don't fully understand it. How's that? Is that acceptable? Y'all like that? Yeah, good. It's important to realize that the plans were so intricate because the cost of doing it was, and David leads the way. That's what I want to make sure you understand. Look here, though. Verse 11, we're still in chapter 28. David gave his son Solomon because Solomon had been picked to be the next king. Solomon's going to be king number three. His son Solomon, the plans for it. Look, it says in details here, portico over the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, the place of the atonement. And now, again, he, he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind. Friends, the Spirit has been guiding and leading us. We've been praying and meeting and listening and, and talking and changing. We've been asking God the Spirit to lead us on purpose. And that's what was happening here, and that's why that's the model that we've been using as we go through this Forward in Faith program, this campaign, to build ourselves a building so that we can do God's mission and experience God. 
that's what we're all about. The spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple and the Lord. And I can see David just celebrating in his imagination, seeing the people gathered and worshiping God and getting, getting filled with God's word and then going out and living lives in faithfulness to what they were learning. So that's what David wanted for his people. It's clearly that's what he wanted. The treasuries of the temple of God and the treasuries of the dedicated things. So the next slide, it's hard work. David says to Solomon, be strong, be courageous, do the work. It's hard work. Friends, if it's not hard, why would we even bother? It's supposed to be hard, but it's good work because you know why? It's for God and it's about God. That's what all of the hard work is about. It's not meant to be easy. And there is no job that we do when we do it for God and about God that is not important. There is no job that isn't important. All the jobs are important. And all that it takes to be this phenomenal thing, the church, to be this beacon of hope in our zip codes. It's good work. But don't get scared, Solomon. It's going to be hard, but you can do it because God is making it happen. That's what David's coaching up his son. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. So here's what happens. David goes first, and we're going to hear in a minute about David's gift, his resources, his, his gold, his silver. He goes first. He happens to be an extremely wealthy king. It's good to be king. Remember that line? Um, David goes first, and then David invites the leaders to go, and that's what's happening now, and then all the people. So we're in, we're in the next chapter now, again, just jumping through uh, then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. Reminder, we do what we do to experience God and to have our hearts connect with God and our hearts go on the mission of God in love with God and wanting people to know what we've experienced. And that's, that's hard work. It's good work. It's the most important work. It's the center of things. It's, that's what, what's good. Where are we going? We're going on a mission to reach people. And David wanted the same thing. So look what happens next. We hear about David's contribution. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. And again, now we're going to get rattle off his gift. Your gifts will be not be public. <laughs> it's confidential. I, you need to know that Kathy and I sort of went first. We sort of went first. I mean, we figured out what we're going to do, and we have done it already. We've already been able to make a gift to the church that because of a couple of kind of miraculous things in our life, we are able to do it. We did it already. It's phenomenal that what happened to us. With, with all of my resources I provided for the temple, the gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron. You see, he's a very wealthy guy, and he's giving whew, generously. Wood, etc., etc., turquoise, stones of colors, all kinds of fine stone and marble. And I'll look at this last line, all of these in large quantities. David goes first, he's the leader, and he's telling the leaders what he has done, and he's inviting them to go next. And then we see down here, besides, in my devotion to the temple of God, I give of my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple over and above. That's part of the challenge. 
is we're doing this over and above. Kathy and I are doing it over and above. The leaders who have already made commitments are doing it over and above. Every, we're all being invited to do this over and above and therefore connecting with God and going on God's mission to be able to make a difference in our zip codes. Then the leaders of the families, the officers, the tribes, the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. St. Paul said, God loves a cheerful giver, not reluctantly, not out of force, out of celebration, generous, repeating what Kathy already said. We're giving to God out of response and gratitude. There's joy and celebration. There's just all these people excited. We're going to get to have this place. And it matters so much to us about us being able to be who we are. That's 1000 BC. It's 2021. We get to do the same thing. And we've been going in the same order. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. Those of you who aren't a part of what the leadership, you're going to hear in a minute the number. And what you're going to do is you're going to rejoice because the number is big. What's happened already as you are invited to participate as well. The people rejoiced the will of their leaders. They had given freely and wholeheartedly. Then David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. <laughs> I'm not a king. <laughs> I'm not Jesus either. And I'm not David. But I'm, I'm so excited. I'm just so excited and so humbled and so grateful to be a part of this thing. This is an us. Jenner us. And then David can't take it anymore. He just busts out in this big prayer. Look at it. This is just two lines from the long prayer in, in 1 Chronicles 29. He's praying to God, and all the leaders and all the assemble of all the people can hear him. But who am I, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? How could this possibly happen? And look what he says back to God. He says, everything comes from you, Lord God of the universe, and we have given you only what has already come from your hand. He's got it straight. David gave, the leaders gave, the people were invited to give, and everybody's surrendering to the reality that it was all God's in the first place. Nothing that we have and nothing that we are was ours. It was a gift from God to us. Yes, so we're going on a journey, a spiritual journey. And the goal of the journey is that you and I experience God and we find our hearts drawn into our relationship with God and we find our hearts drawn into the mission of God. And now, just a few details. You're leaving here today. And if, for you folks online, all of this went live on the website just now because we're cool like that. So everything I have in my hand is available to you who are with us online. And, and oh, by the way, oh, by the way, Online matters. Oh, does it matter? If you don't think online doesn't matter, just go ask Sears about Amazon. <laughs> so if you're, if you're worshiping now online, oh, does it matter? Because there's so many other things it means to be a part of the church. And in our new building, we're making sure that we have the technology to do it even better. And there'll be a volunteer running the stream that goes online, that's not the volunteer running the sound and all that stuff in the room, and it'll be in a production room, a small production room on the, in the sanctuary. Is that cool or what? Huh, we can do podcasts in there, you know? It's a recording studio. I'm serious. 
because we're reaching into the future and we're making sure our building is as flexible and capable as we can possibly make it. And so we're going to be able to keep online friends matters. This is a brochure. You're going to leave with one of them. This is a 21-day prayer guide because where we're going, we're going on a spiritual journey. And Kathy and um, Karen Berry put this together for us, and so that's great. In here is a commitment card. I don't want you can look at it. We're going to ask everybody to turn these back in on October 31, and also we have 500 pins. <laughs> So when you leave here today, you're leaving with four things. You're leaving with this brochure, which has a bunch of stuff about the campaign and about the buildings, et cetera, a prayer guide, a commitment card, and a campaign. And wait, there's more. How about that's supposed to sound like one of those cheesy commercials. Here's what I want you to know. Right now today, the leaders of the church have committed. Things could change. Things, you know, how, who knows what's going to happen? Over $4.4 million dollars. And you'll see the numbers in the brochure. The goal is to get to six. And we, have, we will work our way through October. We're going to have two weeks. And then on, no, on November 14, we're going to tell everybody, we're all going to add it all up. Tony will get it all added up, remembering everybody's confidential. Fitz, and, Fitz will know. Kathy will know. Tony will know. Nobody else knows. Unlike David, who showed off a little bit with all that gold and silver he was talking. And on the 14th of November, we're going to say, here's what the total commitment is. And that's where we are. All, this is, that's in here, but the 4.4 is not in here. That's what I want you to know. Unbelievable. And here's massive provision. There's just no other way of saying it. No one can take credit because it's way bigger than any of us. And we're going to have God-sized dreams so that the only way they could ever happen would be because God showed up and made them happen. And the God-sized dream is how can we reach more people and have more people go deep with Jesus Christ and have people grow in their faith and have marriages and children and families that center their lives around faith and help people who are single parents and help people who have addiction and help people who are way out of whack with their budgets in any list of ways that we can help people. We're going to have a playground outside in our new building. And you know what you can do? Dean will give you a drop-down menu on what you do to sign up to use it. And I, the risk management people are cringing right now, but it's okay. <laughs> And you'll sign up and you'll go over there and you'll say to three or four of your friends, hey, let's go play on the playground, right? And then you can go play. And they may never be willing to darken the door of the church, but they will go with you to play on the playground and you're just beginning to build a bridge. Or what about this? What if you want to have a meeting and you just want to, and it's just, you just want to have a gathering of some sort? All kinds of flexible space with technology. You'll be able to watch movies and hang out. If you want to have a serious gathering, like one of your groups that you're in, a life group, they're going to have a bank of rooms where you can do that. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm excited. But it's, it's way bigger than any one of us. And I want to be the person that continues to trust God because the unknowns keep us trusting in God. That's what Abraham learned. That's what you and I want to know. So I'm going to pray. You're like, you, get, you can't get out the door. There's going to be somebody handing you a pen, a brochure, a prayer guide, and a commitment card. Do not leave without one. And, not, and I want you to take one per person, not one per family. Everybody gets one. We good? Anybody, any questions? I have on a thing. If you have any questions, you can ask me. Several people have them. And if you have any questions about anything, I, I don't know all the answers, but I know where to get them. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have an outro, and we're done. Gracious God, we want to go on this journey with you. 
and it's a journey of faith. And oh man, it's kind of, is it unbelievably cool that we get this interim building experience where we're going to have a home that will be our home and that's the place where we'll be able to do what we do on a regular basis and you're going to bless us and you're going to keep blessing us and we're, because we're going to be on your mission and that's how we get blessed. We want to participate, all of us, in this so that we have a sense of ownership. Thank you that we get to be people who you use to make a difference in this world through your church, your people, your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand as we go out in our world to love people really well because you don't wait until the building is built. We do it right now. So we're going to sing this great song about how graves turn into gardens. the world but it couldn't fill me a man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough then you came along and put me back together Turn shame into glory.